Yeah, I feel like... Oh my gosh. I was thinking, like, is... Did we talk about cuties already? No, that's on the docket. That's today? I know. It's like, I feel like I watched that 9,000 years ago. We can dismiss it quickly, because no one's talking about it anymore, but I know we got takes. We got takes? Okay, so what is on our docket today? I've got three titles myself. I've Great. got cuties. I've uh-huh. got the devil all the time. Nice. And I've got lingua franca. Uh-huh. Yeah, I got those. That's me. I got those. I watched I watched some lingua franca last night. Okay, so that's fresh. And yes, it's fresh. And I enjoyed it. And I have to admit that I like dozed in the last moments. <laughs> uh-huh. And I think they were crucial moments. And they're confusing moments. So, yeah. And unfortunately, I couldn't find a good Wikipedia entry oh. with a detailed plot synopsis so I could understand. I don't think it's got a big footprint, that movie. I just happened to hear a review on a podcast and it intrigued me. Oh, it was a lovely movie. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's very. I mean, are we? is this happening? Are we talking about I don't know. We just kind of started talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have the information up? Uh, no, but I can get it quick. Lingua Franca is um, a 2019 drama film from, I believe, first-time filmmaker and uh, star of her own movie, uh, Isabel Sandoval. She plays a character named... Olivia. Uh, Olivia. Wait, why is she not on the cast list? <laughs> oh, there she is. Yeah. But also she says, did you, so this may have been when you were dozing, but in the end of the movie, there's a moment where they like role play briefly at a bar. Yes. And she and says she her name is Isabel. Isabel yes. Is interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I can tell you what, quickly what I liked about this movie is that it's, it's quiet. It's very unique. It's clearly one person's artistic vision. That's something that they wanted to say. And uh, it's short, it's sweet, it's troubling, it's got a lot of upsetting elements, but it doesn't go where you ever think it's going to go. You think it's setting up to be one kind of a story, and it's not. It's just kind of a messy little personal, you know, testimonial of, of someone's life. It's immigration, it's um, it's a lot of things rolled up into one. What did you like so much about it, Dan? I was pretty captivated by it throughout i thought it was an interesting story i liked the performances and the characters that they seemed real ish to me and at the same time they're in a story so to me some things are working out that wouldn't work out in real life but who knows all sorts of strange things happen in real life olivia is the caregiver of olga who is a sweet elderly woman whose grandson Alex, or I think they were calling him like Alex, right? Yeah. yeah. Throughout uh, Rus- Russian family, he's uh, been in trouble with the law and he has some substance abuse issues. And so he is going to be moving in with Olga uh, temporarily or long term. I'm not sure. And he's going to be taking over some of Olga's care on Olivia's days off. This is a challenge to him. And he and Olivia kind of get to know each other in the course of caring for Olga. And there's an emerging romance between them. And I thought that he was just a lovely character. I liked him a lot. And he, to me, authentically wanted the best for Olivia. And there are issues about um, coming out as trans in the story. Frankly, I thought some of the 
story elements could possibly be triggering <laughs> depending on your own life experience because there are multiple layers of identity of uh, being an immigrant and being trans and how or if you disclose those uh, pieces of your identity to others and are you safe to do that? Um, Olivia lives in constant fear of being uh, deported by ICE. And then there is a pretty significant complication in their relationship where he discovers that she is trans and accepts her, but the manner in which he found out um, leads to a betrayal that I think ends their relationship, right? Yeah, that's how I took it. Right. When she discovers what he has done, even though he is holding out to her the opportunity, because throughout she's trying to find a man to marry her to get a green card. And here is a really nice guy in Alex who, I mean, not a really nice guy. He's got problems of his own, but I thought his heart was pure. Um, He wants to marry her and relieve her of this anxiety of being deported. But because of what he did and what she discovers he did in the final moments, that betrayal, she cannot be with him and she wouldn't accept something from him that she was trying to accept from a stranger for money. Right. Right. Is that how you took the end? Yeah, I believe so. And that's what made it so complicated and not, not realistic, just real feeling or or whatever that word is believable that his character is a screw up. You know, people like that, but you again, like when I said, you think the movie's going in one direction? I really thought it was going to just become this calamitous story of, you know, um, when this guy and his drunk loser friend discover her passport and see the old photo of her. And the it feels like it's going to be, oh, this is going to be a disaster. And then when out when Alex is revealed to be. Um, a good person. It's not in a. It's not a. He's not a movie good person. He doesn't have right. like movie redemption. He's a complicated. He goes too far in the other direction. He tries to be like a you know a hero and a savior for her, um, and it's just kind of cute and sad at the same time. Yeah, and just the way that the rendering of her her cultural you know identity is that her sister or her friend that she yeah constantly... I think her friend yeah. yeah. Uh, I, and, and they have a bit of an interesting uh, religious element culturally mm-hmm. to their identity that is not in a way that I think in our other two titles today, you know, I think the failure of religion is a massive theme in two of the other mm-hmm. movies we're going to talk about. But um, not in this one. That was just kind of a of a, a part of, of who she is. Um, I found I thought that was sweet when she sang a song with her friend in in within a church at that time. Anyway, um uh, I like the movie. It's very uh, unique and sweet. And if you, if it sounds at all interesting, uh, yeah, Lingua Franca. I don't know that I understand the title. I looked it up and I discovered that a Lingua Franca is a common language between two people who both speak other languages. Oh. It's like a way of coming together, sure. but it's neither of your first ways of coming together. Yeah, so I thought Russian that's a good and the yeah. uh, Filipino. That's great. Yeah, I thought that was a good title. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, how many people know that? Right. Uh, yeah, I, I sure didn't. Here's my plot question about it. Why did he tell her that ridiculous lie? Yeah. About the theft. Mm-hmm. Why did right. he, what was his motivation for doing that? Right. And why, and didn't it, he framed it with elements of danger and ice even in a right. way that felt hurtful. 
uh, or at least like he was trying to scare her. Um, I don't know. I think he's kind of just a screw up. I guess I took it as like he just doesn't react well to things. He doesn't know how to be a grown up. He has good intentions deep inside there, but he doesn't quite know how to. I don't know. Was he just trying to cover his own tracks where he knew that the passport was missing and that she would be missing it? And he was trying to explain that without revealing himself. Was his initial reaction hostile and negative? Like, like his, like he's prone to that maybe, but then the more he stews on it and spends time with it and watches certain types of pornography, um, he like changes his mind and heart. I don't know. Like, I wasn't quite sure how to read that whole, um, especially since I was convinced it was going in another direction that I thought it was just going to be a very hard to watch, um, you know, situation where the, the floor fell out from under her and the only security that she had, but I was delighted with the way that it went. And it wasn't, it's not a dream ending. It's not like she still has the same problems basically at the end of the movie, but. Yeah, I loved the scene where they were dancing right before everything falls apart. I just thought that there was a yeah. real beauty to those characters, and I liked having spent time with them. Yeah, yeah. What? I guess let's get cuties out of the way. I think we probably have the most to say about the the other movie. I mean, I have plenty to say about cuties. I just feel like if there's a topic that I got sick of in September 2020, it was cuties. I wasn't going to watch it until you told me you'd seen it. I was that kind of fed up with it. Um, Because Shireen was getting into it with people on Facebook and the the people she was getting into it with hadn't seen it. She hadn't seen it. Um, So when you gave me the excuse, I was like, fine, I will go watch this movie. Um, And of course, there's two different threads of conversation. There's the movie and then there's the the firestorm, which I guess we don't have to talk about since it's it's old hat anyway. Um, I'm seeing seeing here that cuties is French for uh, mignon. Mignon, little, where little steaks. So, like I, uh, I'm a little Suzuki violinist myself, and I learned this little piece called uh, "Gavotte for Mignon," which I've now learned must be like "Gavotte for little cuties." Yes. (laughs) Uh, My question about this movie is now again, we don't need to introduce this movie. I think everybody kind of knows what it is and has their opinion already. But my question is: this is a French movie. Is it French Senegalese, like Atlantiques, uh, the movie we watched a couple months ago, or is are, is this taking place in France? I was are confused these... about this. So I was trying to get some English subtitles because it was a little loud when I was watching it, and I wanted to be able to understand. But I clicked the wrong thing, and I clicked for it to dub into English. Oh, yeah. I did, no, it does that automatically for me. But I did I that from the beginning. Out. So I didn't know until I realized like, oh, wait, this is dubbed. Yeah. And then I changed it so I could hear the original language. I did that too. I did not want to hear it dubbed. I didn't. uh, It's off-putting. Well, it was strange too since I had the captions up and the dubbing doesn't match the captions at all. Often it does It's like a different script. It's like you're reading from the NIV and the NRSV (laughs) at once. Yeah. We've all been there. I know. Um. Yeah, so I didn't know. I guess these are Senegalese immigrants in France. It's not very clear, but I also just found it strange because the main character's uh, last name, her name's Amy Diop, and and uh, Maddie Diop was the name of the director of Atlantiques. Hmm. And that's not like a big, doesn't mean anything. It's just I've discovered a common 
you know, name within that uh, community. But um, I just didn't know because that I think was was taking place in Senegal, whereas I get the feeling that this is just France, an urban yes, center. They're, in they're in. Aren't they in Paris? I thought perhaps. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I there are two very different movies in one happening where you've got the one movie about um, the young protagonist and her family and her father who is uh, back in Senegal and he is taking a second wife, much to his first wife's chagrin, but she still has to prepare the home for the entrance and to welcome this new wife and for a big wedding that you always, it seems about the weddings around the corner every day, it seems like. Yeah. You know, until they until they finally have it, and then there's the story about how what's the lead girl's character Amy. name? Amy, how she gets involved with this like gang, yeah. <laughs> this Vicky Pollard gang right. of of dancers, and they are eleven year old girls who want to be in this competition. It's a little bit nebulous what this is, but they you have to go through different trial periods of getting to the big the big dance competition my question about that part was wasn't anybody shocked and offended by their dancing all the way up the ranks until the final competition everyone's just kind of like oh yeah fine and then everyone's shocked right well is this a dance competition for 11 year olds or for adults what is it right there were a few like nebulous you know edges showing on this movie where i was like well wait what uh for me, also, again, not to criticize this movie, I think this is a well-made oh, yeah. movie yeah, yeah. that was gripping and it was interesting. I found it a little upsetting, but not in the way that Facebook moms find it upsetting. Um, but for my biggest plot issue was how her mother goes, for, and again, this is spoiler territory, I suppose, but, you know, Cuties has been out there for a while, gang. Uh, her mother goes from saying you should die for doing this to just kind of overnight to being her defender and protector and loving her and that's great but i just it, to me it just felt like i didn't go on a journey with the mother character no. she just kind of did whatever the particular sequence you know, it was time to end the movie so um but yeah so thematically to me the most interesting thing about this movie is not the dancing and stuff i feel like that i mean i guess i'll get to that because i have a thought about that as well but oh the bigger picture for me in this movie is the way that the girl from the fundamentalist context and family and upbringing and the kids from the kind of latchkey, you know, uh, on their own uh, context, they both kind of lack the same thing. They both kind of lack an adult presence that cares about who they really are. And and they're kind of all driven to whatever it is that they get up to. Um by this kind of lack of, um, I don't know, specificity of care or, or someone who, you know, is, uh, really has a relationship with them. Um, and then the fact that it's just kind of this American pop, uh, nonsense that fills the void for them. I feel like that's what made most of the criticism of this movie, such a massive self own that, yeah. uh, it, it's not. <laughs> so yeah, I don't want to just get into that whole thing, but that, I mean, does any of this make any sense? I'm kind of rambling tonight. Yeah, I think it makes sense. I, I feel like the the home part of the movie, the major theme is womanhood and youth to maturity. We've got three generations of women who are trying to teach the way, you know, old ways and new ways. 
Um, Amy has her first period in the context of, you know, preparing for her father's wedding, you know, and by the end, she seems like a more grown up, assured version of herself. Right. Like, I felt like that was a real transformation from girl to woman. Right. Whereas the cuties dancing um, seemed to be a, a strange parody of that. Mm-hmm. of little girls acting more grown up than they are like jumping into adulthood without any of the societal or even biological changes that would would bring you from one p- part of that journey to the other yeah sure um i didn't get yeah. what the comment was about um the sexualization of young girls Right. I don't know what the movie's point of view. I mean, I I can guess yeah, from the right. director's statements what the movie's point of view is. Bad, but I I wasn't quite sure how the movie what the movie had to say about that. Right. So my journey of just awareness regarding this movie was that I just based on my you know admittedly lax uh, attention having been paid to it, and then the bad marketing, the bad Netflix marketing. I at first assumed that this was an American production that was either a documentary or docu-series or just a docudrama about the world of like dance moms or something. And, and whenever yeah. I was getting upset, I'm like, oh, it's because they're showing these grownups sexualizing these young girls. When you find out that's not at all what it is, it's not American. Uh, it um, and it's. Yeah, it couldn't to me, it just couldn't have been more surprising to find out what it really was based on both the marketing and the way people were talking about it. Yeah. And which is a shame for the movie, because I think that that all became a major distraction from what it actually was on its own terms. But all anybody was talking about was canceling their Netflix over it or that it really wasn't offensive or, or, or. Right. Yeah, um, I I found it kind of drab and upsetting for the most part. I mean, mm-hmm. I liked Amy as a character. I liked, you know, I was I felt terrible for her. I felt for her her friends, especially the the, the little girl from her building. AOC. Um, yeah. Uh, what's that? What you call her? AOC. Oh, yeah, right. Little, 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 That's like what we thought right. when she comes like around with the glasses and right, the long yeah. hair. She looks like like a girl dressed up as AOC. Right. <laughs> um, I liked those characters. I like you know movies that. Uh, portray children authentically as as off-putting as that can be sometimes um i just felt like it was it made me really sad (laughs) and um it it also felt very again very personal like this was uh the directors had something Mm -hmm. to say and that this is it and it is what it is and take it for what you will um i felt like it ended a little too pat a little too quick but um I have to assume it is just what they wanted it to be. So mm-hmm. that was fine. Well, we're, uh, we're keeping it Netflix with uh, the devil all the time, which is directed by uh, where does name go? Antonio Campos, who directed Christine, which we discussed on our last mm-hmm. show. And that's, that's not the first thing that made me interested in this movie. I didn't know that at first, but the cast is so interesting and it just is such an interesting kind of genre exercise. Um, So there's kind of a passing, but not passing line in the opening of this movie 
talking about one's father fighting the devil all the time. So there's the title, <laughs> not just the presence of the devil, but this endless fight against all that is perceived to be evil. So that's what's going on over and over and over um, with these characters. Now, it's been like a good week, week and a half yeah. since I've watched this. And I'm trying to remember like who everybody played and what's happening because there's multiple uh, generations of of people, and then you know the baby becomes grows and becomes the main character. Right. And you're gonna have to help me with this. Yeah, no, it could be, synopsis. and it could be just very boring to listen to trying to describe yeah. a multi generational kind of story like this. Right. So essentially, what you end up with is. Um, What's his name? Arvin. Uh, Arvin is, becomes the main character, and he is played by Tom Holland, who, of course, is the current Spider-Man in the Marvel Universe. Oh. He was also the stage Billy Elliot in, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago? Really? Became a stage show? Yeah, at least in the UK, I believe he was. Huh. Um, and so he's kind of hot right now, and he is this character, Arvin. But the movie starts out with him played by a younger actor. It's about his dad played by Bill Skarsgård and about his PTSD and his terrible loss and the way that his religion kind of just leaves him um, praying in the woods until he until tragic things happen. And so Arvin has to grow up under the care of his grandmother. And meanwhile, he has a half sister named uh, Lenora. Is that her name? Lenora, I think. Played by. Um, oh, you're right, Lenora. Lenora, played oh. by Eliza Scanlon, who mm-hmm. was Beth in Little Women, hmm. and uh, so he's she kind of represents. Um, well, she's yeah. This is really hard to talk. It's about. really complicated. Based I think the sprawling novel. Yeah, all these characters from all these different origins. Haven't even brought up Robert Pattinson yet. I haven't brought up Robert Pattinson. I haven't brought up uh, Jason Clark. Yeah. They, so I I think themes are easier. Basically, yeah. to me, what this is is a very grim, very dark, very violent vision of religion and faith um, that is born out of traumatized soldierhood. <laughs> and yeah. I, I think it's a it's a pretty apt metaphor for uh, some 20th century, maybe a little 19th century um, American religion where yeah. it's it's just passed down by trauma generation to generation. And it always ends in violence and it always ends in abuse and death. And in the end, um, Arvin is left wondering, well, am I going to be like my dad in one of two ways? Either take a wife and raise a family of my own and probably pass on this trauma to them. Or am I going to be a soldier too and probably die? Because that's just what happens to everybody. So, I mean, it, it is pretty dark. And uh, Pattinson plays a corrupt minister who comes uh, who comes to town. I thought his character was set up in a pretty wonderful way of how he um, humiliated the grandmother um, right. publicly, yeah. no- knowing that he is just not a, not a good guy at all. And devastating scene about something yeah. so simple. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Because you, I mean, people who are in church, you know that church lady and what that yes. would be. Right, you know, disaster, catastrophe. Um, and no surprise, you know, this, this pastor takes advantage of and rapes young girls and everyone, I mean, the satisfying thing, I guess, is that everyone does pay for their crimes, but then there is a whole separate plot line 
about the couple who takes the pictures, right? Yes. Yeah, right. This is so complicated. I know. It's so convoluted. And really, thematically is the only way to parse it out and have it make any kind of sense other than just read it or watch it yourself. Right. Um, Be- I think we're getting to that. We both liked it, and it's good. But Yeah, you got to watch it for yourself and see. I-, I liked that there were just so many plot lines that came together in a way that made sense to me. And it was uh, literary, but not so novelesque. It did yeah. seem like people existed in this world apart from the main characters, which sometimes um, film adaptations of novels don't seem like they any people exist apart from the main right. characters. Yeah. Yeah, I felt very similarly about the themes and how this is a movie about well-intentioned and ill-intentioned people who are traumatized and broken and at this particular moment in this particular place, the American South in the 1950s, all that's available to them is pretty toxic religion. Mm-hmm. And the way that it gives them false hope, the way that it gives them, uh, you know, the men gives the men claws to dig into the, the people, you know, the women and the children and the people beneath them. Um, and e- even the people with a lot of faith, you know, they're going to meet a tragic end. The people who are crooked are going to hurt a lot of people and then meet an end. Uh, the, the guy who played Dudley in uh, the Harry Potter movies, who was also in the old guard, he's in here as a faith preacher who pours spiders on himself, mm-hmm. prove his faith. He is the mother of, I'm sorry, he's the father of Lenora, his wife. Uh, yes, it's so complicated, so convoluted. Uh, I, I think I said to you in a message, just having watched it, that it felt to me like it was some Stephen King with the kind of down, you know, the way that it describes uh, normal American salt of the earth people getting caught up in in extraordinary dark situations it's got some uh a little bit of scorsese in the filmmaking Mm -hmm. kind of being a generational epic and the way it uses music and violence and then certainly it has a coen brothers aspect to it uh just with the converging stories of seemingly kind of random violence and crime uh but the thematics to me get a little, uh, I want them to be neat and tidy. And I want I want to say that it's about the, you know, the failure of religion for all these different types of people, but you do have that subplot with Jason Clark as a kind of serial killer and, mm-hmm. um, Haley Bennett. Is that who played his, um, yeah. Girlfriend, wife. I don't know if they were married. Yeah. I thought uh, she was great. And then she, her brother is played by Sebastian Stan. He's the sheriff, the local sheriff. So this is a subplot that has almost no religious aspects to it. They mentioned Sunday school and things like that a couple times. But um, Lee, the the sheriff, his story and his sister's story collides with Arvin's story in, in the end. And I can't say that it's a satisfying ending. It's grim and, and dark, but it is what it is. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely worth watching. Uh, I agree with the comment you made to me in a message, which was that it feels like a real movie. Yeah. It feels like a big movie. It, it, it's, um, it's well-made and it's interesting and it's got, it's rough in terms of the content and the violence and, but it's, uh, it's very well done. Yeah. To me, I thought that there was something of a religious aspect to the serial killers. Cause I thought, what is the difference between them and all the faithful? Right. You know, I, I think that there's yeah. the same pattern of violence um, of the years of killing that the that the serial killers are doing almost as a religion and the fact that they have such connections to the religious people right in in the yeah. movie and it just keeps on passing passing on and it's inescapable 
and yeah, and I, that's what I, I guess that's the thought I just had as you're saying that is is that Charlotte Haley Bennett's character, she can't get out. Yeah. Much like you know, a young woman who would have been raised in a toxic religious situation would be frantically looking for her options to get out and not finding anything uh, that's like clean and easy. Yeah, if we if you talk about, you know, even the vocabulary of faith in some Christian circles, particularly, it's all blood and violence, and it's made to make you feel like that's a good thing. But really, if you think literally of what you're saying, it's horrifying. And it's the same thing as what she's participating in. She thinks she's doing the right thing by giving herself and her body to these egregious acts. Right. But that's pr- what people do with organized religion all the time. Right. And that's Lenora's character as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I guess I'm not surprised because Pattinson has been explicitly trying to do you know, weird and dangerous and different things with his career the last few years. So, um, but this didn't seem, it's not the biggest part, but it's certainly a memorable part. And he certainly does something interesting with it. But um, yeah, that, the whole part where he's basically seducing and, and abusing Lenora is very upsetting. And then even more upsetting because she kind of gives herself over to it very willingly. Like she buys right into it instead of, instead of the typical movie thing where someone is being abused and they know it, but they just kind of, I don't know. I feel like her being completely kind of taken in by it and just becoming uh, an apologist of his, you know, mm-hmm. upsetting, but true, rang true. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, so The Devil All the Time. It's on Netflix. It's right there. Check it out, perhaps. If you want, if you, if you have time, you if, yeah. if you feel like it. Uh, so this movie has um, Spider-Man in it, has Batman in it, and um, it has uh, Pennywise and the Winter Soldier. Mm. So that's fun for people who watch, you know, a lot of dumb movies too. I think that's it. That's all I got, Dan. Great. Uh, I will let you know if anything else pops up on my radar, as I'm sure you will do the same. I've been watching Ratchet. Oh, really? Yeah. Conceptually, that bothers me, but I hear people say it's good. I mean, it. no, it's fine. Like, it's it's a Ryan Murphy joint for sure. It's it's a lot of style and a lot of drama. And to me, it was an enjoyable watch. I don't usually go in for series, but it's a great cast, and it's fun to watch them kind of okay. chew the scenery. My question in the end, though, was why is it about Nurse Ratchet? That's mm-hmm. not Nurse Ratchet. That's like... You could take any iconic character's name and do a story that has nothing right. to do with the movie we all know, or even right. with the character's personality or instincts. Yeah. You know, we could do a thing about, you know, Hannibal, you know, when he worked a summer at a surf shop, you know, and yeah. he's not a cannibal, though. Right. And it's just kind of like capitalizing on mm-hmm. this iconic name, but it has nothing to do with right. who she is. But that's it right now. I mean, I'm sure that they just, that's the kind of angle you want. Obscure, um, semi-obscure reference, you know, flush it out. People recognize something they've heard of. I mean, that's just how it, unfortunately, oh, how it I works. Re- but that's why it's off-putting to me. I, I like... Uh, Sarah Paulson, that's her name, right? Yeah. 
and uh looks great but i just it's so the concept is so it makes me i mean it's a snobbish instinct but it just bothers me so much well it's a, a incredibly high concept fictionalized world too where uh one flew over the cuckoo's nest is to me there's a lot of reality in that you know yeah. even if you want to take it as an allegory of right. you know 1940s society versus vietnam and the six right. you know and i rewatched well, that like, i rewatched sorry. that movie this week and i thought like nurse ratchet isn't really a villain She's a she's a vestige of a society that hasn't changed and who a new generation is just running up and hitting their heads against a brick wall, you know, right. and her performance and Louise Fletcher's performance is so good. Yeah, that that movie, you know, it's good. It, it works because of her and, and Nicholson, clearly. Would you say I, don't know, I haven't seen enough of it to know, to make a judgment on this, but would you say that Ratchet, the show is to cuckoo's nest as um you know that last act of dr sleep is to the shining oh boy just kind of overly uh, fleshing yeah, maybe. out yeah maybe be... yeah but that at least seems to exist in the world of the you know what i mean <laughs> this has no other right no other strings yeah there's like okay so the opening sequence is so any Ryan Murphy show, it's always people struggling, right? Through an opening sequence. Mm -hmm. So you see different characters off by a beach and they're all these red threads, right? And they're all like pulling on the red threads, trying to help them get closer, right? And they're pulling and they're pulling and there's some goal at the end of the thread and all in their different places. They're just struggling, struggling, struggling. And then at the very end of the sequence, you have Ratched walk up to where the um, threads all converge and she just snips them with a scissor. Hmm. And I was like, that's exactly what the show is. Mm -hmm. Like any, any, any connection <laughs> that this might have had <laughs> right. to the world of uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest right. is just severed. Oh, We've taken yeah, the yeah. name Ratched. Yeah. Well, hey, he got a show to air. Oh yeah, it's perfectly fine watch. It just has nothing to do with that character or the or the backs or the other story. By the way, I repeatedly said Haley Bennett as Charlotte when I meant um, during our review of uh, The Devil All the Time. What I meant was Riley Keough. I realized that Sandy. at the end of our review that I was agreeing, thinking the exact Sorry, same yeah. thing. Riley Keough is Sandy. So. Yeah, that's who was good. The other person, I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 sure, I'm sure Bennett was great, too. I just don't remember who she, she was. was. Charlotte. Oh, she, yeah, she, she was great, but she was only she was um, Arvin's mother. Oh, the, a very small part. Oh, married to the married to the spider guy. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, father of the spider guy, married to Bill Skarsgård. Oh no 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 no! Helen was married to the spider guy. You're thinking of spider preacher? Yes. No, uh, Arvin's mother, the one that his dad came back from the war and married her, and then she died in the kitchen. The sweet face. Oh, that's Haley Bennett. That's Haley Bennett. Oh yeah, she's perfectly perfectly yes. good. Perfectly. Good. I thought she was lovely. Uh, Helen is the girl that his that. <laughs> that right. Willard's mother tried to match right. him up with the right. church. Right. And then because he rejected her, she got with the crazy guy and right. then he does things to her that, Oh yeah. boy, I should have watched this movie like closer to the time because <laughs> like, this is all coming back clear, but it's such a complicated plot. We have this, this two, this every other week schedule going and I tend to want to get them done. So I watch them usually in that first week. And by the time we talk about it, oh boy. 
All right, Dan. I think this is uh, the writing's on the wall for this episode. Right. Um, <laughs> like most chaotic episode I think I we've know, had in a while. <laughs> uh, it's just how life is feeling now, people. We're lucky we have movies at all. Uh, thanks for talking. Sure thing. Good to catch up. Sorry that. Uh, sorry, it's like this. <laughs> oh, it's fine. All right. Well, I gotta go do uh, the minimal. F- minimal. Yikes! I gotta go do the minimal editing that this episode will require, which is now just expanded to include that, that little piece. Yeah. Be well. We'll be in touch. And uh, you know. Oh, this is our podcast. <laughs> If there's theme, if you hear theme music, it was by Jonah Rapino. Jonah, and, uh, this is the show you're listening to. So, thanks. Bye.